This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. You know, the other day somebody asked me about the state of the aquarium hobby and kind of where I thought things were headed, you know, where Tannen's worldview falls into this. Now, <laughs> it always makes me kind of laugh because it's not like I'm some prophet or something. I'm, you know, just a hobbyist, perhaps with a slightly different view, uh, but a hobbyist nonetheless. That being said, I think I'm in a, a lucky position because I get to see some cool changes taking place on a daily basis in the hobby. I get to see the work you're doing. Now, like it or not, the world of aquariums is changing at a more rapid pace than ever before. All these new ideas are you know, merging and being developed and being rediscovered. Things are working their way into our hobby's collective consciousness. And some ideas and mindsets do seem to stick around regardless of the rapid changes taking place. I have this thing where I love to classify ideas in the hobby, and I don't know why. One of my, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my favorite uh, hobbyist writer photographers is a guy named Sumer Tawari. You've probably seen his work; it's graced our pages many times. And we were talking not too long ago about this idea, and he brought up a really great point in a, in a discussion. Basically, what he said is, and in a nutshell, he said, you know, in modern aquarium keeping, we're constantly applauding. You know, nature aquarium tanks, which are very carefully built to be aesthetic masterpieces. And any newcomer in the hobby is constantly reminded how important crystal clear water is. And I'm not saying it's always wrong. There are times when fishes do come from very clear water, or maybe you want to go for that look. Uh, Summer's concern is that the other side of the hobby is often not exposed to the newer generation of, of the hobbyists. Um, hobbyists who are lucky to have visited natural habitats so the fishes, you know, that they know and they understand this concept really well. Boom, you know, that, that's a big thing. Yeah. And he went on to bring up some other very important points, but I want to kind of focus on that topic and how, you know, we can, you know, look at nature and seed some of the work to nature. And I, I think that as a movement in the hobby, um, we not only present a different sort of aesthetic, as we talked about a gajillion times here, but a different mental approach, too. We understand that the materials we place in our aquariums not only affect the appearance, but its function. And they change over time. Now, for decades, I found these truly ephemeral uh, materials, the nature of a botanical aquarium, as compelling as anything. Not everybody finds this look to be attractive or even slightly interesting. It's a look that's been, you know, utterly contrary to what the mainstream hobby finds attractive and seems to go against the grain of both aesthetics and function because we think brown water, decomposing leaves, dirty. And, of course, the near-dominant prevalence of aquatic plants and that rigid interpretation of Amano's nature aquarium style seem to have left little room in the hobby's collective psyche for a tinted, darker version of an aquarium with randomly placed decomposing leaves and seed pods and stuff. Or did it? I mean... Amano's whole idea in a nutshell was to replicate nature to a certain extent by accepting it and laying a conceptual groundwork for it to unfold. Just look at all the pictures of grassy fields and moss-covered fence posts in Amano's you know, early books. He got it. He felt something there. Now granted, his general aesthetic involved plants, 
and what seem to be natural-looking aquascapes, although executed in an intentionally artistic way. And there's nothing wrong with this. Some of the world's most beautiful aquariums were and are created this very way. However, what I noticed over time in the freshwater world was an almost obsessive, rigid adherence to certain parts of Amano's formula and his aesthetic. Specifically, ratios, placement of hardscape and plants, and a certain type of aesthetic formula that one had to replicate in order to gain legitimacy or acceptance from the global community. And I really don't know, I don't think that that was Amano's intent. Wabi-sabi, it's the Japanese philosophy which embraces the ephemeral nature of the existence of things, was and is a key concept in Amano's approach, and I think it still is. I think it's fallen into a bit of disuse, though, in the nature aquarium movement, as aquarists aspired to replicate the styles proffered in his works, perhaps by trying to bypass what seemed to be the less exciting or less immediately rewarding part of this approach. I think that's why we have so many diorama-style tanks and competitions with details like twigs and roots glued to wood. It's a trend that I find interesting. And I also think it's why we see more and more serious aquascapers taking another look at a more realistic type of aquarium utilizing, among other things, botanicals. You know, aquariums which embrace decay, they embrace detritus, biofilms, and the less ratio-centric, more random natural look. I think many aquascapers are simply tired of an overly stylized, you know, tank and are leaning back towards a truly more natural look. And maybe, perhaps, they're starting to come around to the idea of functional aesthetics. I think so. I mean, is there not beauty in the utter randomness of nature despite our near-obsessive pursuit of rules such as golden ratio, color aggregating, etc.? Just because last year's big scaping contest winner had the perfect orientation, the ratios, and the alignment of the, you know, insert favorite wood variety here, uh, whatever branch within the tank, doesn't mean that it's a, it doesn't mean that it's a real representation of the natural functionality of randomness. In other words, just because it looks good, it doesn't mean it's what nature looks like, or functions like for that matter, regardless of what we label it. Yeah, I know an aquarium is not nature, but it does function in accordance with nature's laws, regardless of what we want, and it's an ecosystem to the organisms which inhabit it. One of the things that we've seen more accepted in the hobby over the past few years is that trend towards more realistic aquariums, not just systems which look like the natural environments, rather which systems which are modeled as much after the function of them as the aesthetics. Again, functional aesthetics, which I beat down your head all the time, I know. I think this is where Tannin Aquatics falls. If you had to nail us down to one specific stylistic or philosophical approach to aquariums, that's where we fit. It's sort of the space between, sort of straddling multiple approaches with nature as the ultimate critic. A less rigidly, aesthetically controlled, less high-concept approach to setting the stage for nature to do what she's done for eons without doing as much to help it along. Rather, the mindset here is to allow nature to take its course and to embrace the breakdown of materials, the biofilms, the decay, and to rejoice in the ever-changing aesthetic and functional aspects of a natural aquatic system, warts and all, and how they can positively affect our fishes. Wabi-sabi? Yeah, I think so. I think we embody that concept beautifully. The initial skepticism and resistance to the idea of an aquarium filled with biofilms, decomposition, and tinted water started to give way to enormous creativity and discovery. Our expanding community has, rather easily I might add, accepted the idea that nature will follow a certain path, parts of which are aesthetically different than anything that we've previously allowed to happen in our aquariums before. And rather than attempting to mitigate, edit, or thwart it, we're celebrating it. It's less about perfect placement of materials for artistic purposes and more about placing materials to facilitate more natural functions and interactions between fishes and their environment. 
we're looking more and more at natural habitats for inspiration rather than last month's tank of the month, which is a huge leap forward towards unlocking a greater understanding and appreciation for nature and towards preserving it. Isn't it, um, it's amazing how much more you respect and treasure a natural habitat when you have a miniature replica of it in your living room, isn't it? We're in a really cool place where we can inspire, assist, and learn from everyone. From the most hardcore biotope aquarist to the curious nature aquarium style addict to the serious fish breeder. And we can also show them a way to incorporate a different side of nature into their aquariums. The natural side of nature. And you can embrace both the style and you know, and nature, of course, you can start with a higher concept and sort of seed some of the evolution in nature and see what comes of it. We're seeing that not only do botanicals, leaves, and alternative substrate materials look interesting, they provide a physiological basis for creating unique environmental conditions for our fishes and plants. We're seeing fish graze on the life forms which live in and among the decomposing botanicals, as well as the botanicals themselves, just like in nature. And we're seeing the influence aesthetically and chemically that these materials assert on the aquarium's environmental parameters, especially when we look at, you know, when we think about the way these systems evolve and the need for patience on our part. You know, that's the other part of my equation, of course. You knew I was going to say something about that. We talk about it a lot, don't we? But when it comes to botanical style aquariums, the most valuable asset you can have, more than any equipment or whatever, is patience. The patience to understand that developing one of these systems is a process and realizing that like in any aquarium, there are sort of stages or iterations that if you take time to enjoy along the way, create a very satisfying and even engrossing aspect. It's so important to look at things a bit differently than you would if you were just, you know, if you were a bit more pragmatic about the process, just hell bent on getting it done as quickly as possible. Rather than just purposely arriving at some point, we look at the whole process and all of its stages as the result. And... You know, for sure, one of my favorite stages in the evolution of an aquarium is when the stage is set for the tank to actually mature. You know, the central anchor hardscape is done, the wooden botanicals that are, you know, be the largest pieces are set, the tank's emerging from that sterile-looking, stark appearance, you know, that look at the very beginning, which leaves no doubt as to this being an artificial system. It would be tempting at this point to just rush through it, get more stuff in there, you know, get in the fishes, the plants, etc., blah, blah, blah. Nope, you need to have patience to let it unfold gradually and steadily. Isn't this a cool time in the evolution of your tank? It's a time for the potential of nature to unleash itself. It's about contemplation, reflection, patience. It's setting the stage for the long term. It's about looking at your hardscape, for example, and asking yourself if this aggregation is representative of the way a tangle of branches might slowly assemble itself, given a unidirectional flow of water, like an inundation caused by an overflowing stream, or perhaps the way a root ball of a tree would present itself when the tree falls over into the water. Maybe? Think about the beauty that nature creates with her utter randomness, or more precisely, through the action of water, wind, current, and the passage of time. I found that some of the most compelling aquascapes that I've ever seen or done, botanical style, hardscape, planted, reef, etc., always seem to have a special something about them. Of course, a large part of it is the overall look. However, one of the things which, in my opinion, separates good tanks from great ones is little details, stuff that completes the underwater scene. Not necessarily structural details, mind you, like anchor hardscape pieces. Definitely not the details like little glued twigs and <laughs> roots that we put on a rock like we see in those competition diorama scapes. That's not what I'm talking about. No, we're talking about the subtle little details which make a system more natural looking and shade the corners where needed. I think that's where obsession with like little twigs comes from. Details, random details. Those little things which make a big difference over time. 
In our botanical style world, it's little things like bits and pieces of broken up botanical materials, like bark and the occasional larger seed pot or whatnot, which makes your scene look more complete and organic. If you take your cues from natural underwater habitats like I do, you'll notice that they're filled with all sorts of materials, not just the more obvious leaves and branches. If you think contextually, particularly when we're talking about habitats like Igapo, inundated forest, and Igarapes in the Amazonian forest, take into account that they are literally flooded forest floors. And as such, they seemingly have a random aggregation of botanical materials scattered about everywhere, punctuated or rather defined by larger fe features like fallen logs, branches, maybe a few random rocks here and there, and soil and sediment and even turbidity at times. The look of sort of awkwardly placed hardscape pieces in an aquarium might certainly not seem to be artistic in the way fabulous work by, you know, George Farmer, John Ciotti, friends like of those, friends of mine like that do, but in my opinion, it's nonetheless compelling. Once the details arrive at and soften in and fill in the scene, oh, I said the D word again, didn't I? Details. I believe that an aquarium that attempts to replicate a sort of chaotic scene, like the ones we're always talking about, starts with what looks like a really artificial placement of wood, perhaps anchored by numerous details, which soften, define, and fill in the scape. Sort of analog to the theater or motion picture concept of mise-en-scene, where pieces literally set the stage and help tell a story by providing context. Yes, unlike escape, which depends upon growth of plants to fill it in and evolve it, the botanical-style aquarium is largely hardscape materials, which requires the adept placement of said materials to help fill in the scene. And of course, part of the evolution is the softening, the redistribution, and the breakdown of botanical materials over time, just like what happens in nature. I suppose this little rant can be viewed as a defense of our style, which has occasionally been criticized as sloppy, lazy, undisciplined, etc. Now, perhaps it is to some. However, I think it serves to re-examine what I feel is one of the foundational philosophies of the botanical-style aquarium aesthetic. And that is part of the attraction of the botanical-style aquarium for me. Rather than conforming thoroughly to some set of rules based on design, layout, and technique, this type of aquarium tends to ask for a very basic initial design and lets Mother Nature handle a lot of the emerging details over time. It's a slightly different approach to aquascaping than we usually think about. It requires some vision, it requires belief in your ideas, it requires understanding, and it requires patience above all else. Oh, and again, the passage of time. Nature's been working with terrestrial materials and aquatic habitats for eons. And nature works with just about everything that you throw at her. She'll take seemingly unsexy pieces of wood and rock and stuff like that, and dried leaves or whatever, and given the passage of time, the action of gravity and water movement, and the work of bacteria, fungi, and algae, she'll mold that stuff and evolve it into a unique and compelling piece, as amazing as anything we could ever hope to do if we give her the chance, if we allow ourselves to look at her work in context. Always let nature add the details. She pretty much never misses them up. Don't be afraid to cede some of the work to her. It's not just a look, not just an aesthetic, not just a mindset. It's a way to incorporate natural materials to achieve new and progressive results with fishes and plants that we've come to love so much. And guess what? It's still early days. It's a ground floor opportunity for every aquarist who gives this stuff a shot to make a meaningful and beautiful contribution to the evolving state of the art of the botanical style aquarium and to share what nature really looks like with people all over the world. That's some of the most compelling work that nature can do, isn't it? Stay innovative, stay bold, stay excited, stay curious, stay odd, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.